Ladies and gentlemen, from All Seasons Studio 306 in Midlothian, Virginia, it's The Undiluted Truth with Mike and Ben. Today's episode, Take Control of Your Family's Health with Dr. Sheila Fury. Remember to like, subscribe, and share. Our podcast email is theundilutedtruth.podcast at gmail.com. Keep practicing your best behavior. Especially when it comes to your children. Right? Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Undiluted Truth. My name is Ben. Let's welcome in our host, Mike. How are you doing this afternoon, sir? I am doing fantastic, but it is getting better. Excellent. Yes. Wonderful. Fantastic and and getting better because we are not in the studio just with Mike and Ben. We have Dr. Sheila Fury in studio. The last time we did this, uh, Dr. Fury, you were over the phone, but... uh, Welcome. It is a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you. Yes, oh, and we yeah we are excited about what's going to take place here in our beautiful Commonwealth on January the fifteenth. So, just to let our audience know, uh, Dr. Sheila Fury is a uh, childhood psychi- well a, a psychiatrist specializing in children's learning disabilities and. Uh, Basically, speech, was that? Speech and language delays, but all developmental delays, yes. All Okay, all developmental delays. And also, uh, you are the founder and president of Virginia uh, Medical Freedom Alliance, which, uh, now, I've been following that alliance for quite some time. When did did this begin for you, the, the alliance? Well, we started to form as a group at the end of 2021, but it wasn't until 2022 that we became a formal organization. And in the fall of 2022, we put on a summit and hosted Dr. Paul Merrick and Dr. Robert Malone. And we are continuing in that tradition as we host a summit on January 15th in Richmond, uh, featuring speakers from all over the country. Absolutely. And I was at that event with Dr. Paul Merrick and Robert Malone. It was awesome. I, I It really was. It was very eye-opening and very informative. I definitely appreciated that. So with that in mind, we the title of the event is the title of our episode, and that is Take Control of Your Family's Health. And if you if you would just tell us a little bit about what's going to go on in this event, just an overview, and uh, you can tie in uh, your involvement with uh, and and from now on, ladies and gentlemen, when we mention VAMFA, that is going to be Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. So you might hear a little bit of both. So. But, Dr. Fury, if if you would, just give us an overview about this event. How did it come about? uh, And basically, why do we want to have this here in Virginia? It started as, like many things, a dream. And a dream that came out of need. Mm -hmm. 
and the need to protect our children and to protect our families because they are under assault from the medical establishment. So something that we learned in COVID was that treatment for COVID, early interventions for COVID were denied. And then when they introduced the vaccine to the medical community and to patients across the Commonwealth and around the world, they said it was safe and effective and that this was going to be the road to take off masks and get back to our previous life. And what we learned very quickly was that was not the case and that these shots were no, not only not safe, but they weren't effective either. And so as we began looking at the COVID shots, we began reflecting on the entire childhood vaccine schedule. Mm. And when I was a child, that encompassed a total of three shots. Today, that's approximately 80. And if you add the COVID-19 shot and the RSV shot, that approaches 100 or more shots for a child before the age of 18. And so we began looking at the safety and efficacy of the childhood vaccine schedule and was what the medical community was saying, was that the truth? Or were there other things that we could talk about? And that led down to other areas that children are affected. So are these the shots of the childhood vaccine schedule toxic? Do they contain toxic elements? What other toxins are children exposed to? Mm. So right now, if we look at a standard classroom, particularly in high school, every child has a laptop and a cell phone. There's a smart board in the room. Right. So what's the impact of the radiation levels that these children have? And what is the impact of just being hooked to electronics for six to eight or 10 or 12 hours a day as happens as you get into high school. And then what is the impact of schools and schools that are setting up healthcare centers? So school-based healthcare centers. What does that mean to the family? What does that mean to parental rights? What are parents going to be told? And more importantly, what are parents not going to be told? So it sounds like what this event is going to be about is, is really kind of, I'm going to hone in on what you just said at, at the end, is to show parents, because, you know, we're the, let's just face it, the, the children are major targets, uh, even though there's plenty of adults that have, that have, I guess, drank the Kool-Aid. We don't want to say that. But, yeah, we, we've been sort of hoodwinked, you know, uh, for all of these years. But this event sounds like it's going to be loaded with information to give to the parents so that they will be able to make an educated decision when it comes to what's going on in the school systems with their, with their children. Uh, would that be fair to say? It's for parents, grandparents, but it's for elected officials, school board members. Uh, all right. People who deal with children, teachers. All right. So that teachers and school board members and members of the public can understand an alternative perspective based in science mm -hmm. that 
they're not hearing from the mainstream media, that they're not hearing in their typical pediatric or family practice, that they're not hearing from their doctors because doctors are constrained in what they can say by whoever they work for. Which is, which is sad when you think about it, that if a doctor wants to say something that's factual, something that is beneficial for a patient, and it doesn't line up with what his, let's just face it, his employer says he can say or not, he, he can't say it without being possibly fired or license stripped or barred from a medical facility. Uh, and, and let's face it, character uh, assassination you know, would come along with that. I, I, I find that so barbaric in so many ways. And it feels like that you, you've stepped on the time machine and went way back in time and you've landed in, a, in another country. You know, I mean, we're in the supposedly the, the freest country in the world, and it doesn't appear that that's, that's happening. Well, in medicine, we have a long history of hiding the truth. Mm. And it's based on what the pharmaceutical companies want and how much money they can make. Mm. And if we look back to a simple drug, when we look at or a simple illness such as gastric ulcers, if we look back in the history of that, that used to be a mental illness. If you had an ulcer, it was because you were stressed. And then it became you have an ulcer because you have too much acid in your stomach. Mm-hmm. And while that was being developed, another doctor said, I think it's because of a bacteria, Heliobacter um, pylori. And, but Prilosec was being developed at the same time. Prilosec mm-hmm. makes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so they stopped um, or would not fund any research for this doctor. And so he said, I'm going to do the research myself. And so he had himself scanned to show no ulcers. Then he drank a vial of H. pylori. And they scanned him a week later, and he had gastric ulcers. And we knew then that a simple antibiotic would treat gastric ulcers. And so this is a low-cost, effective treatment that would heal many, many people. So there are multiple causes for gastric ulcers, and I will acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But one of the major causes is H. pylori, and it can be treated with an antibiotic and not the purple pill for the rest of your life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so the field of medicine needs to look at simple solutions. We look at or are given and the medical establishment is driven by the pharmaceutical companies and the pharmaceutical companies presenting medications to physicians and they don't they want to make money they're driven by money mm-hmm. and so doctors who are doing research and investigating low cost interventions that does not make the pharmaceutical companies money So since the pharmaceutical companies have major control over all of the journals, the medical journals that doctors read, then 
low-cost interventions are not going to be published. And this is what's been going on in medicine for decades. Yes, yes. So this is so true because I, I think, and, and we don't want to get way, way off the topic, but we, we could probably sit here and name at least a half a dozen right off the top of our heads of similar ailments, if you will, and diseases, and, and the ones that come to my mind, you know, just right away is high blood pressure pills, cholesterol, and these things are just being, I, I could only imagine the money that's being made off of just those two. But let's, let's take a look at, and, and I really appreciate what, what you're doing here with the Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance and, and getting this information out if you would, give me an idea of the reception that your organization has uh, of experienced with Virginia, the, 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 the state government, and what you're doing and, and getting, just getting people educated. So around the state, we have gone and we're, you know, from Virginia Beach up into northern Virginia into southwest Virginia. The people have been wonderful. And they are begging for this information. Mm. They are begging to hear alternatives. And many of the communities are very um, know the facts. They have been reading. They have been looking <laughs> at the alternative sources. And yet our government, the Virginia Department of Health, continues to advocate um, for the COVID um, vaccine or shot um, because it's truly not a vaccine, because it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID, and it doesn't prevent you from spreading COVID. It is one of the most dangerous and toxic things that's ever been prescribed or given to the people. And so on their website, they continue to state that this is a safe and effective medic you know, intervention, <laughs> mm -hmm. and particularly for children and pregnant mothers. So children as young as six months of age can receive this shot, and pregnant mothers can also receive this shot. Mm. And the data is overwhelming to the harm. And further, in children, they are not, their risk of dying from COVID is extremely low. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, 0.005% or yes. less. And yet the side effects from this shot are significant. Myocarditis, pericarditis, neurological injury, Guillain-Barre syndrome, the list goes on and mm -hmm. on and on. So to place a child at risk from a vaccine that is significantly greater than the risk of illness itself is unconscionable in my opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're also breaking the golden rule of pregnancy we do not experiment on pregnant mothers. And yet, this is something that has been on the market, you know, since 2021. And we continue to push it as if there are no side effects. And yet, if you talk to any nurse in labor and delivery, she will tell you what we see is an increase in miscarriage, an mm. increase in stillbirth, an increase in fetal malformation, and yet, it continues to be pushed. Mm. We see an increase in infertility and a drop in the birth rate worldwide. Mm. And 
people will say that there's no effect on fertility or there's no evidence of an effect on the next generation. There are no studies to prove that. <laughs> exactly. Right. So if you're putting this out, a simple drug on the market to look at infertility or to look at birth defects, we need it to be on the market for at least 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yet this, is, this shot has been on the market for a very short time. Mm-hmm. We're already seeing tremendous injury and death. And yet the Virginia Department of Health continues to say it's safe and effective and you should get this for your child or as a pregnant mother. Yeah, so you just answered my question. I was going to say, what does our wonderful Commonwealth here, is there any kind of informed consent or any kind of information given to pregnant mothers? Or is that is that it? And I'm sure that there's pockets of doctors that may be, you know, Underneath the radar, whisper, hey, you know, you could re- you, you could be at risk for a miscarriage, et cetera. But overall, the Department of Health here in the state of Virginia is saying that there's nothing to see here. Is that pretty much it? That is correct. And they're not only pushing the COVID shot, but they're also pushing RSV and the flu shot, right? Yeah. So, again, we're breaking the cardinal rule of pregnancy. We can empower and we can make decisions to boost uh, the the health of women while they're pregnant to ensure that that pregnancy goes to term. And yet we're choosing to make an injection the answer to everything and not looking at the long-term consequences of that. You would think that people would be screaming from the rooftops. Why would you think this information is, is not spreading about? Because it doesn't meet the criteria for the news and the mainstream media. The mainstream media, as you know, is controlled by Big Pharma. And if you watch television for any length of time, you see one pharmaceutical ad after another. You see one ad after another to get the vaccine, to get the COVID shot, to get the RSV shot, whatever it is. Every news program, every news station is controlled by Big Pharma. So basically what we're looking at here in the state of Virginia is, is, is a leadership, if you will, in, in, in so-called departments that are sacrificing basically life for an agenda. That is correct. That's, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. And I, I think it's a big hurdle that... that uh, that we're facing here in the state. And, and I appreciate what you guys are doing. You know, the thing that is always, since this, this began back with the COVID, and I think a lot of these things have began to be exposed, was a lot of this, and, and as I'm hearing you speak, this is not complicated. I'm hearing this is just good common sense. And there was a time when I spoke to someone uh, in public about the masking, and they mentioned something to me, and I told them that I, I suffer from uh, a, a, a GSC, or, yeah, or GCS, I think that's what it was. And they, oh, I'm sorry, what is that? And I said, it's good common sense. <laughs> and they just started <laughs> laughing. Yeah. But with, with that in mind, I understand that there's a group called the Common Sense Society 
uh, that uh, we were speaking about prior to the show. Uh, I was very intrigued. Could you tell us a little bit about this group? So the Common Sense Society is a nationwide group that um, was looking for political dialogue, right? And I don't know the full history of them, um, but it's an international organization, and they have begun to look at common sense in the healthcare field. Amen. And saying that we should have an open dialogue about this, that mm-hmm. science should be debated publicly and openly, mm-hmm. and that the leaders from around the world should be able to have a platform on which that they can speak and on which upon which that they can educate people, you know, legislators, um, the general public about what alternatives in medicine there are and that it isn't a one-size-fits-all game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's wonderful to hear that, you know, there are groups that actually take in account that common sense is something almost of a, a lost uh, art, if you will, or let's just say a, 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 lost, piece, a lost piece of fiber. Uh, I, I am really really excited about getting the word out and and keeping the pedal to the metal i i don't i i feel like that when it comes to our children i think back when i was younger and you mentioned when we were younger we had you know a couple of of the vaccines maybe i i can remember too i had the smallpox and the and polio um so but w- with that being said it is inconscionable to to sit here and observe and listen to all of the vaccines that a, a child gets from those from you said six months well you can actually get your first vaccines if you follow the schedule on the day you're born so in the day you're born you begin with hepatitis b hmm. and that hepatitis b is a sexually transmitted disease or you or through iv drug abuse I haven't met in my entire life a sexually active, IV drug abusing newborn. Newborn, yes. Therefore, there is no reason, no medical reason to give a hepatitis B shot unless they're immediately exposed to a mother who has hepatitis B. All right? And even then, you would want to look at that and see if... In fact, they are hepatitis B positive when they are born. Mm-hmm. All right? Makes sense. The other thing that you get is vitamin K. Now, most mothers, parents are told it's just a vitamin. Well, in this shot that they give, it actually has aluminum. They could give oral vitamin K that does not have aluminum in it, but giving a shot is easier and that is the route that they take yeah and somewhere mm-hmm. along the line i'm sure we if we followed the money there would be more reasons to give a, uh, <laughs> yeah. a an injection uh but it, the the children and and that really is who we're highlighting here uh, they they can't defend themselves i i've i've i felt so bad for the ch- the children that had to go through what they had to go through in in school here most recently over the last few years of uh, of being locked out of school you know the online school and then masking all day long at school 
put in, I mean, you see these pictures of the, they're in, put into this glass cubicle thing, like kids in a bubble, if you will. I mean, I could only think of you, you know, the, what you're thinking as a, as a psychiatrist of what is going on in the mind of these children, masked up, separated, isolated, if you will. And where I, I think we're seeing some of the results with whether it be attempted suicide, suicide, and some of the other uh, diagnoses that uh, that have come out over the the last uh, couple of years. I yeah, think. the increase in anxiety, depression, uh, obsessive compulsive behaviors has skyrocketed, and but there's other things. So in small children. When they're learning to speak, they rely on seeing a person, an adult's full face. Mm -hmm. And this is how we learn affect. We also learn the meaning of words because mm -hmm. certain words change and, and the meaning of those words or how an adult says those words and whether the mom and dad are angry or happy or being <laughs> sarcastic, all those nuances to language are lost on a child who doesn't see the full face. Mm -hmm. okay. And they don't often understand how to fully articulate the words because they don't see how the parent is moving their mouth. Exactly. And so speech and language delays have skyrocketed. And there, aren't, there was a shortage of speech and language pathologists before COVID. Now... Mm -hmm. We have to look at how are we going to address this issue and how families can be given the tools to help their young children. But one of the most important things is to keep the mask off their face. Yes, and, yeah. and, and the, the needle out of their arm or, or as a kid, it's, never, it's usually the legs. Um, and I had to experience that with my own uh, unknowingly. And it, the, fortunately, the... My children are, I'm going to say, relatively normal, but I, you, you just don't know. You don't know what it, you know, what it could have been. Uh, if not, I wanted to take this opportunity uh, on your uh, website. There was a story that uh, you highlighted, and I think this is a good place uh, here uh, where we are to just speak about this story. And I'm going to go ahead and read uh not the whole thing, but the majority of it. But I, I think this is really what we're what we're talking about. And this is only one, ladies and gentlemen. This is just one individual that's going to be highlighted, and this is out there for the public to see. Uh, this uh, individual's name is Jen, and we're going to refer to her as that. Jen began to speak early and was a smiling, babbling little girl. But after receiving a round of vaccines, and I don't know how many, but you can only imagine. She abruptly stopped speaking. She pointed, but there were no more words. The anxiety of her mother and father was significant. The pediatrician minimized and dismissed their concerns, stating that Jen's loss of speech might be related to the stress of a new baby and a planned move. He never mentioned that her sudden and complete loss of speech could be a result of the most recent round of vaccines he had injected into her. After nearly six months of not speaking, Jen then began speaking again. Mom and dad were relieved, but it was to be temporary as the story was not quite over. 
Mom began to notice that Jen could not catch a ball. Her ability to manipulate objects was delayed and inexplicable sensitivities to clothing, specifically socks, shoes, tags, and textures became prominent issues. This left, as you could imagine, mom feeling confused, unsupported, and filled with trepidation about about what was going on with her daughter. The pediatrician neglected to mention the most likely cause of Jim's developmental issues, the very vaccines he continued to inject into her at regular and frequent intervals. I, I, I think that's kind of all you need to hear because what I'm hearing is that's typically par for the course as in a, in a child's life today. Mm-hmm. And this probably isn't the worst thing, obviously, that could happen. But this is, this is first of all, it's, it's absolutely tear-jerking and heart-tugging. And it needn't happen. And the, the undue experiences that moms and dads are going through. And, and the thing that, that kind of resonates with me is the mom was left confused and unsupported by her own pediatrician. Um, what, what is basically the, I guess, the plan for the state of Virginia and, and with uh, those that are involved, even the Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance, how are we going to reach these physicians? And what, what is it that we can do, would you say, to put pressure on them or to turn them to a point to where they're, they're seeing the air of their ways? Well, I think that the physicians in particular and nurse practitioners, you know, all of those who have direct interactions with children and giving of vaccines should read the book Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth, and also the book Vaxxed versus Unvaxxed, which is by Robert F. Kennedy and Brian Hooker. Mm-hmm. All right, these two books review the entire history of the vaccine industry. And further of note, in 1986, we passed legislation that prevented uh, vaccine companies from being sued for vaccine injury. So I ask you this, do you want to drive a car in which you can't sue the manufacturer of the car if something is wrong with the engineering. Well, of course not. That's common sense. <laughs> yeah. You're suffering again, Mike. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so this is a start. And what we have to realize is that what we're told is that vaccines have saved millions of lives around the world and that without vaccines, children will be dying every day. That is not the case. We do not live in a third world country. We have indoor plumbing. We have heating. We have sanitation. And what we know, even with polio, which is one of the things that most often is cited, is that polio was actually decreasing and at a low point prior to the vaccine being implemented on society. So, and that there are other interventions that can be used for vaccines instead of vaccines, and you can boost a child's immune system mm. 
-hmm. particularly for measles, you can give vitamin A. All right, so there are very clear things that can be done and that also you want to look at if a child has any sensitivity to a round of vaccines, vaccines should be halted and spread out or slowed that we need to be able to look at if you have a neurological or any type of reaction following a round of vaccines, that should be a huge red flag that should never be ignored. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, you know, I just with the adult vaccines, and of course, you know, I, I think we all know that there's enough evidence now in what we've seen thus far in the children's vaccines, and especially here with the mRNA uh, vaccine that is it just hit the market. It it appears to me that there's no will by anyone in, in, in I guess, uh, the federal government, whether it be the CDC, WHO, NIAID, uh, any of these alphabet soup organizations that have a will to, let's just halt until we know what we're dealing with. I often go back to 1976 when uh, the, the the swine flu vaccine was was given, and mm -hmm. that yeah. that very telling moment when Mike Wallace was talking to the then uh, 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 head of the the CDC was uh, Dr. David Sensor, and asked him after his big campaign of vaccines. I think they had vaccine, vaccinated about 46 million. And Mike Wallace was asking me, he said, well, you've got a lot of folks vaccinated. Uh, how many confirmed cases did you have? And he hemmed and hauled and hummed and bummed and finally said, uh, well, none confirmed, but, but, but a lot of suspected. There was 46 million people that were vaccinated, or, uh, roughly, with no confirmed cases and then Guillain-Barre began, began to hit, and then I think there was in the low 20s, 20, don't even think it was 25, and they shut the whole thing down. Because back then, as you mentioned, uh, the government or the manufacturers did not have immunity. There was a major lawsuit that was settled amongst a lot of people. So I think it's my thinking is the reason that there's no will, because... They can keep doing this and doing this without any responsibility as far as the manufacturers go. And they're not going to lose any money. And, and nobody in government anywhere appears to be willing to step up and, and do something. So I, I guess as a just a simple family person. As we mentioned earlier, we're just gainfully employed individuals, you know, honest to goodness taxpayers. But I, I want my children and the children, the friends of my children and, and the whole nine yards, I, I want their best interest at heart. What can we do to, I mean, is this part of what, why we're doing uh, this? I mean, I would, I, would, I would think so and hope so, but uh, This where? is part of the summit, and it's also one of the things we're going to educate people about is religious as well as medical exemptions. And so that many people 
um, have already opted for religious exemptions in terms of the vaccine, but understanding that you can also get a medical exemption for those. We need to expand religious exemptions, all right, to include a philosophical belief that vaccine that vaccines are something that you don't want um, in your body, mm-hmm. right? We also need to expand religious exemptions in the state of Virginia because right now, during a state of emergency, your religious exemptions end. Well, no one's faith ends in an emergency. And in fact, faith increases during Mm -hmm. an emergency. And yet, the current law in Virginia is is that they can override religious exemptions in a state of emergency. So is that... Is, is that voted on by the state, or is that something that a committee has agreed to through the CDC or, or WHO to give them the authority to declare a, a state emergency and basically saying, we will abide by what you say because we're giving you the authority? And what I'm seeing here in the state of Virginia, it sounds like that, that whatever the CDC has re- recommended we have just like sheep followed it. I mean, would it be something close to that? Well, there's two things. So one is Virginia law, and Virginia law does have an exemption for religious, you know, a state of emergency. That's part of the law. But currently in Virginia, there is um, vaccines can be added to the schedule, the mandatory childhood schedule. So that mandatory means that in order to go to school or daycare, and that means even homeschool, you have to follow the mandatory vaccine schedule. And so when, when we're looking at the new addition of the COVID-19 shot as well as RSV, those can be added to the childhood schedule with just the stroke of a pen by Dr. Shelton, who's the director of the Virginia Department of Health. We do not, in Virginia, need legislative approval now for vaccines to be added to the schedule. And that's frightening to me. So that brings me to my next question is, who is it that decides what a state of emergency is? State of emergency is determined by the governor. By the governor only? And and him only can do that? We know with with some influence Mm -hmm. and and so forth. But he can, you know, single-handedly basically say, we're under a state of emergency. Correct. And then you have to follow all of those guidelines. Well, I think personally wow. that we are in a state of emergency <laughs> right now. Clearly, if, if, if this can happen, if we've got just by the stroke of a pen that the children are required to follow X, you know, the X vaccine, Y, Z vaccine, and it's got to be on the schedule, I think that's a problem. That's a major problem. And I think if, if there's not a state of emergency with that, I don't know how effective that would be, but that would be my mantra is to basically say we're already in a state of emergency and something needs to be done. And I would go mm-hmm. along those lines. I think this is where parents need to and families and the citizens need to take back control. Mm-hmm. And what we need to say is that no vaccine no vaccine should be mandatory, that it is a choice between the parents and the doctor, and they together make that choice. And we, and first, and we get it out of the school system mm-hmm. and the hands of the school system being the enforcer. 
Right. All right. That's a responsibility that should not be put on the school system. Their job is to educate our children, not vaccinate them. Right. Well, mm-hmm. you know, there's one thing that when they when they added all of these vaccines to the school system, what they did by doing this was very clever because they excluded the control group to to see how children were reacting without vaccines if they ever wanted to look at a serious trial you you now have everyone vaccinated so where's your control group you know that was very clever and i think that should be brought out uh to to you know in into the discussion you know i mean you know and I'm glad that there's people speaking out that we, we should have public discourse and we should. It, it's extremely important, no matter. And, and you know, and, and I think, you know, and you and I have uh, spoke, you know, off uh, mic, but it doesn't matter whether you're R.D. or an I, you know, Republican, Democrat, Independent. You know, th- these things, you know, the, the, the people that I know that are championing these sorts of events this isn't a political thing. Uh, it it can be twisted into some, you know. And it, it really, the the only one of the main reasons is when you've got a king standing up, calling himself a governor, that can sign something and all of a sudden change lives and even you know harm people. Now, now we have a problem, and and that may become you know somewhat political. But uh, no, these. These events, I think, are awesome. And could could you, and 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 I know that we're all sad because <laughs> because our 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 friend uh, uh, Mr. Wakefield is, isn't going to be here. Um, but I understand it's, it's a very competent uh, individual that is is coming in in his place. Uh, so, Doctor Paul Thomas is a pediatrician who's going to speak about directly about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he did significant research. And in his own practice, compared vaccinated children to unvaccinated children. And then he published the results. And what he found was that on every single measure, the unvaccinated were healthier. Yeah, that's good to know. Well, you know, those of us that are into nutrition and and prevention, you know, we just go go figure. I mean, we we sort of knew this. uh, But... um, yeah, I, I think I'm looking at the, this, you know, star-studded. I don't know all of these individuals, and I know that you you probably do. Uh, and I'm excited about being a, a part of of this. Um, and I would encourage, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those that are listening to to share this information. And uh, Dr. Freer, is it just simply to go on? Uh, what's your what's your what's the best way to get this information that those that that, that want to join and be a part of this? So you can go to our website. It's v a m f a dot org. So Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance. So the Virginia is v a mm-hmm. Medical Freedom Alliance dot org. And the front page of our uh, website has information about the event. Click on Learn More, and you can buy your tickets today. Um, buy them as soon as possible before the prices go. You get early bird special right now, and mm. we want you to get those. And we want to fill um, the auditorium at the Marriott. So it, we're going to be at the Marriott Hotel in downtown Richmond for the entire day. But we are going to take a little 
break at noon, and we're going to walk down to the Capitol Bell Tower, which is about five blocks away, and we're going to have a rally at the Capitol Bell Tower to let our elected officials know that we are watching them, and we want health freedom to be a priority in this legislative season. Absolutely. And that we're going to have a dynamic group of speakers there who are going to talk about, in particular, those who have been so tragically injured by the COVID-19 shot Mm. and others who have been treating those who have been injured by the COVID-19 shot as well as, you know, it's physicians who have had their eyes opened, as well as other people who have been been involved in health freedom. We're also going to have advocates for children in our schools. And so that one of the biggest things is have our schools return to teaching Mm -hmm. our children, (laughs) not indoctrinating our children. Amen. So, and I would encourage those that are, going to be joining wear some warm clothes against january the 15th it's a little chilly in virginia uh at that time and if you're going to be outdoors there at the bell tower but that's an excellent uh idea and a and a and a way to sort of you know be in your face a little bit with those elected officials that i mean they honestly have important roles to play and i wish all of them would take it seriously and i know that they're not all bad the whole lot of them but there are some that may be going through the motions or following, you know, unfortunately, an agenda. So, but uh, is there anything else that you would like to say before we close? I, there's, you know, I, I'm looking so forward to, to this event because, it, and it is it, it, I, an all day affair. It's an all day affair. We have wonderful speakers coming who are talking about vaccines toxins in our environment, Um, also looking at our food supply and the vaccination of our animals and what impact that has Mm -hmm. on us. The impact of radiation in the classroom, right? Medical censorship, um, the school-based health centers, and really we have an outstanding woman, Dr. Valerie um, Boric, who's going to talk about the WHO. Mm. So the World Health Organization and what risks that poses to every family Mm. if we um, allow the World Health Organization and the latest amendments, which will take our sovereignty away, and what the World Health Organization is saying about children, because they want to take children and the primacy of the parental rights away. Mm. So your counsel to those listening and those parents uh, would be show up, get informed so that you are not being led blindly medically and, and with your, your own health and your family's health. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Correct. We're going to give you information. We're going to leave you with links and other and and the, I think the most important thing is you're going to be sitting next to people who hold your values. Mm. And it is so important to feel empowered by the strength of having people surround you who believe the same thing you do or who are learning 
who are, even if they don't believe the same thing, they are willing to learn mm. and try to understand and seek the truth. Yes. Right? It is critical that you join with people like that and so that you have links that you meet because of the different people sitting at your table. Because those are lifelong links that are formed in these meetings. And they will empower you to stand when you get scared. Amen. Amen. I, the, the, the ability to encourage each other and to walk alongside, I think, is very, very important because in many cases and in many, uh, you know, venues and, and in, in different areas, we, we appear to be the minority. Uh, and, you know, it's not popular to stand up for what is, what is truth and stand up for what is right uh, in this country, unfortunately. But I love your analogy to be sitting there alongside someone uh, that, you know, is either willing to learn or, the, or they are like-minded. Uh, that it it relieves some of the anxiety and uh, maybe some of the pressure that one might feel. That oh my goodness, I'm the only one standing up for this or the only one seeing this. And uh, I I think it's I think it's wonderful. So, are there any other uh, events coming uh, down the pike uh, that you can well, I, mention? Well, I do want to add, um, Christine Dolan, who's an author and investigative journalist, will be the keynote speaker in the evening of January 15th. And she is going to be talking about sex trafficking and uh. how our children are specifically being targeted and being followed. Uh. So their smartphones, their Chromebooks, Parents need to be acutely aware of how they are being tracked, mm. how they are being followed, and all of the implications of the electronic media and how this is happening in our own schools, in our mm. own neighborhoods. And we can no longer deny that our children are at risk. And so she's going to be a powerful speaker. Uh. And to continue to follow the Virginia Medical Freedom Alliance, we hope that in 2024 we can continue to do smaller uh, summits but around the state so that we recognize that it's difficult to get to Richmond for some people. So we want to bring our information to others across the state. But for this event and for these national speakers, I think it is worth every single penny to come and spend the day with us. Amen. And downtown Richmond, and that's where the legislators are, and that's where the governor and uh, his administration are. And they're the ones that need to hear it, uh, unlike some of the uh, experiences we've had in the past. And we hope this shakes it up in somebody's eyes uh, that that is involved in this as far as... Uh, decision makers uh, i hope their eyes are opened so anything else before we wrap up this has been awesome thank you very much i enjoyed being it and i'll come back again okay Wonderful. well we we, yeah. we we will definitely ask you and can't wait and uh once again ladies and gentlemen uh we've been joined by dr sheila fury and uh, speaking about uh, the event coming up take control of your family's health which is extremely important the, the summit is, again, January the 15th. Be there bright and early. Wear your warm clothes. Of course, in Virginia, you never know. It could be 50 degrees that day, but uh, highly unlikely. So we're looking forward to it. Wonderful speakers, the whole bit. And I know that 
there are going to be some people there that you are going to learn from. You're going to take some things away that you can carry you know, forward uh, and uh, help uh, within your family's health. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, Ben, you've done mm-hmm. a, a wonderful job over there, as, oh, as well, usual, with the, with the sound and such. So if that's all we've got here, uh, we will close up with a brief prayer as we always do so uh, let's uh, wrap this up with a uh, talking to our heavenly father dear father in heaven we do thank you for those that are standing up around the world but specifically here in virginia standing up for truth and standing up to want to help the children father there are those out there that are already uh, maybe medically uh, uh, damaged by some sort of shot or vaccine or whatever we pray that you give them strength give them a sense of peace and comfort and we pray for healing upon them but father as we sit here in the comfort of our little studio here we thank you for the way that you provided we thank you for providing this platform that we can reach those around the commonwealth of virginia and the world so father bless them that are out there listening uh, in a special way and as we part ways as usual we pray that every intent of our thought be pure and we ask and pray these things in jesus name amen amen thank you for tuning in remember to join us again on the undiluted truth And remember, rock tumblers, with all of your might, continue to diligently seek truth. God bless.